You're listening to Key Conversations for Leaders. This is episode number 46. Welcome, everybody. In today's episode, we'll be talking about technology leadership through mergers and acquisitions with Paul Robinson. We'll be discussing the evolution of corporate growth, the danger of focusing exclusively on the numbers, and why you need to train like a world-class athlete, and much, much more. Leadership is about vision. It's about creating a vision and sharing that vision with others in a way that inspires them to walk with you towards its fulfillment. Along the way, leaders encourage, motivate, guide, and even challenge people to bring their best each and every day. And it's all done through conversations. That's what this show is about. Better conversations for better leaders. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Key Conversations for Leaders. I'm your host, John Ryan, and today we have a very special guest, Paul Robinson. Paul is the founder of Ensonet Technology Group, a San Diego-based company specializing in M&A post-merger integration and IT enterprise architecture solutions, a company which is featured on Inc. Magazine's 2008 and 2019 list of the 5,000 fastest-growing private companies in America. To date, Ensonet has supported more than $11 billion in pre- and post-merger IT planning, due diligence, and integration, including staffing projects throughout the United States and the world. And today, we're fortunate to have him here on the show. Welcome to the show, Paul. Great to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here, Dr. John. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks. You know, now full disclosure to everybody listening and and watching, Paul and I have worked together in different capacities for the last five years now, but I wanted to see if you could just kind of run back a little bit. I know from, from us talking previously that there was a bit of a leap of faith in your career that really set you down this path. Can you talk a little bit about that, that origin story? Absolutely. I appreciate the question. My entire career started with and has continued to, to, you know, encompass leaps of faith. I, I actually started 20 years ago now. Uh, <laughs> gosh, the time has gone by so quickly. I started here in San Diego uh, doing what's called help desk work. And, you know, progressively in our industry, you work your way up and, you know, try to get, you know, more levels of responsibility, bigger titles. And when I originally got started, uh, I had two choices. I could go the short-term contract route and aggressively go after more responsibility and build the resume, or I could go the the safe, secure, stable route with more established type companies. And I was hungry at that time, which is very, very important in terms of career development. And so I I chose to take the leap of faith and I, and I did, uh, you know, short-term contracts that had a lot of responsibility, but there wasn't certainty necessarily uh, with the organizations, but it got me into technology. I was, immersed in, in all different types of things, big, uh, uh, complex type projects. And, you know, that was sort of the, you know, my start. I didn't know a whole lot about IT, but I just, I wanted to dump, jump straight in and, and learn as much as I can and, and continue to grow. So it's it's been a progressive uh, set of leaps of faith. And, and each year they've gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> Fantastic. How did you decide to get involved with M&A as a specific you know, industry? That's a high quality question. I think the decision was made for me. Uh, this takes us back about four or five years. And at the time we were, we were a small uh, business, about five or six people, and we were working a contract uh, uh, with, with a client. And 12 months into that contract and that program being into, in flight, uh, that client was acquired by a much larger enterprise. And so, we had the, uh, the opportunity to help integrate that that uh, that company that was that was just acquired, and so it was actually by by accident 
that we were pushed into to M&A. You know, I wish I could tell you, <clears throat> I sat home and drew out and sketched out this amazing entrepreneurial plan on a napkin in a, in a kitchen, right? But it didn't quite work out that way. It was an opportunity uh, that we were, that, that I was presented with uh, by accident. And it ended up being a very, very interesting, fun, and, and uh, from a business perspective, profitable niche. And that's kind of how life is quite often. We, we have a plan and, and then things come a different way. It's not like life is designed out like the Marvel Universe series where phase one, two, three, and four, you take opportunity and, and you go with it when, when that happens. So so five or six years ago, is, is that's when you began the, the M&A work and, and was Ensonet already in existence or is that a more recent development from an organizational perspective? Much more recent development. We have a, uh, what will be this year in 2021, a 13-year operating history. And so for the first half of the company's existence, we did what was called traditional IT consulting, IT architecture. And very simply, that means a company has uh, deferred maintenance, older antiquated systems, and they want to upgrade and they need a an advisor, a consultant to come in and help plan and strategize and implement that work. And so that was the type and the complexion of the work that we were involved in prior to uh, prior to M and A. And so, yes, the the M and A story for us is is a recent development. Recent being uh, five five years in running now. And as a company, you know, how do you describe the the services that that you offer as Ensonet? Great question. We very simply describe our services uh, and, and and what we offer is helping corporate and private equity. Uh, portfolios realize investment synergies, right? So company A acquires company B and they're trying to, you know, very simply make one plus one equal 10. IT is the underpinning, is the foundation for, you know, the modern organization. And so what we do is we, we come in and strategize, uh, you know, the, the integration plans, a lot of different elements to help empower the, the business and, you know, help them reach that, that objective that, uh, that they're trying to get to for M&A. So with companies that are going to go through a merger, when does that planning process for what happens after the actual merger, when does that really need to begin? The planning process ideally for a merger should begin many, many, many months uh, to even looking at targets to acquire. You need to understand your internal capabilities. It's almost like a a self-assessment. And this is one of the things you recommend. You know, who on the who on the team has gone through uh, you know an integration event? What were the lessons learned? You know, how can we bring those lessons learned and, and apply them to what we're trying to do here? And quite often, you know, nine out of ten acquirers they start thinking about these things after the transaction has happened. You know, frankly, I get the call all the time. You know, after the the toothpaste has been squeezed out of the tube, and, and we're in this reactionary mode trying to put together some type of integration plan. So. Ideally, it's happening many, many months before, and you're going through a self-assessment, a readiness assessment, a capabilities assessment um, to understand how ready you are, how prepared you are, because it's a very, very fast-paced uh, event. And if you're trying to realize synergies, one plus, trying to make one plus one equal ten at the speed of business today, and if you're if you're not planning that out months in advance, uh, it's going to be a, what's called a value drain. You're going to lose a lot of money. Have the mergers and what you've seen, not only from your own experience, but in talking to other professionals in the industry, have they changed significantly in the last five to 10 years or is, has mergers always been pretty consistent across the board? 
Great question. The core fundamentals of M&A transactions are still the same. You know, if we look back 5, 10, 15, 20 years, all of the focus was primarily on the financial underwriting. We buy this and it's going to take us to this next level. In today's environment, 2021, you have a lot of new factors. Technology is, is, is here and it's ever changing. You have a new generation of workforce that is demanding different things, right? And so if you're an acquirer and you're only myopically focused on just the financials, you're missing you know, two thirds of the picture. You have to be thinking about you know, uh, you know, how, how is this acquisition going to uh, uh, you know, position us as a good corporate citizen out in, the, out in the social media space? How are we going to be looked at as, as an organization? And this is important because you, you acquire, you're on this serial path of, of acquisitions. And if the, the companies that you're acquiring aren't you know, uh, looked at and desired as, as really good places to work that are making good social impact, right? That's gonna have a direct impact on the talent that you're able to bring in. And so uh, short answer to the question is ha- yeah, financial, all of that still is there, but you have to be looking at some of these other elements of, uh, as well. So you have to, of course, the financials are a part of that, but you have to look ecologically at the technology, the people, uh, the environment, the positioning in the marketplace and and all these other factors. If I can ask on the technology side, you know, imagine quite often two companies come together that, that have not had a coordinated, you know, IT plan. Can they always come together? Is it always possible to integrate technologies and get the systems working together properly or is there a limit of or is that a cost benefit thing too it absolutely you can always integrate systems together the, the real question becomes is how long is it going to take you to do that how expensive will it be to maintain both environments right you're going to have to have staff that has expertise and depth with both systems right how long is it going to take to you know, integrate those systems. So the short answer is yes, but it doesn't necessarily make uh, financial sense, you know, to maintain disparate systems, you know, for, for the long, the long haul. And so if you're, again, going back to due diligence planning and really understanding the, the rationale behind the, the acquisition, you know, what are we trying to achieve? If you have a, a very clear in-state uh, or future state in mind, uh, you can make better decisions. But yeah, it, it's possible to integrate, uh, you know, multiple, multiple systems, it's just going to be very, very costly and not very, you know, beneficial down the road. Those IT integration decisions, are those also things that has to happen before the, the merger actually occurs? Or is this something you just want to wait till afterwards and then get started? Oh, we, we always wait to the very end. <laughs> <laughs> I, ideally, IT, the, the, the senior leadership in the organization, the acquirer, the company that's going to be doing the, acquis- the acquiring, if the senior IT leadership uh, has a, a, a very tight and uh, a tight relationship with the leadership of the company, that is, there's trust with the IT group and the leadership of the business, then they can have a, a strategic seat at the table and, and understand what the rationale for the inorganic M&A you know, growth plans are and then how IT as a partner to the business can really empower that. And so if there's trust inside the organization and, and uh, you know, with the IT departments, they can really understand what, what's happening and then, you know, position leadership to be ahead of the curve if they be, actually do start executing on, on acquiring companies. 
You know, I know another offering that you do in addition to the the PMI is, of course, cybersecurity and IT staffing. But on the cybersecurity, you know, what are some of the things that, that companies, organizations really should be thinking about in relation to keeping up to all the demands of and the ever-changing nature of cybersecurity, I'm sure? One of the biggest holes inside of any any organization is the lack of information being distributed to the to the workforce, right? So very simple things about not opening attachments that you, you don't recognize from people you don't recognize, just small things like that. And so if the if you as the parent organization or even the target uh, organization you're looking at doesn't have what's called an enterprise risk management plan, cybersecurity plan, that is educating the workforce, is telling them about what's what the latest threats are, what are the latest... Uh, you know, subversive tactics to try to get information. Really, 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 really simple things. Uh, we always think about this elaborate cybersecurity hack, uh, bringing down an organization. Quite often, it's it's just something, you know, very, very innocuous. You know, someone, a line worker, just opening something or doing something that they shouldn't have done. And had they been educated properly and trained through regular communications from the IT group to the organization, you can avoid probably 50, 60% of the events. And so if you're an acquirer and we're doing a, a readiness assessment, we have our due diligence checklist and playbooks and we're uh, beginning the due diligence process uh, with one of the targets, we wanna understand how far along the, the journey and how mature that target's cybersecurity plan is. You know, What, what types of things have they been doing, uh, the IT groups, the IT group in question, or whoever is responsible for IT, to educate, uh, you know, the workforce. So they're they're all singing from the same sheet with, with respect to the the threats that are out there. So, so if I hear that correctly, that the cybersecurity risks are, of course, technological and also people. And it sounds like the majority of the risks are people focused versus like coding and software and things like that. This is not to say yes. This is not to say that. If you are not doing routine maintenance on the IT systems and infrastructure uh, and, and just leaving gaping holes that the bad actors out there, whether they be nation states or just people looking to, to monetize, are not going to find them. I'm not suggesting that necessarily. Yet overwhelming, it's just average average people, average, uh, average people in the workforce making just uh, inadvertent mistakes because no one told them not to do this. And... Once you let them in, the bad actors in, they can spread through the organization and, and can can put uh, different parts of technology in the organization and have sat there for years. You may be acquiring uh, a company who was you know infiltrated two or three years ago, and and that intellectual property, the data, the source the source code or the secret sauce may actually be sitting out somewhere that you don't even know about, right? And so this is why we always educate just around. Um, you know, just putting the information out there to the workforce and, and educating them regularly. So, so it's not a shock when when they when they see something and you know, open it and they get surprised, right? It's just really really simple things like that. It doesn't have to be a complex discussion. I worked with a large corporation uh, a little over twenty years ago, and uh, I was in an area where the guy had opened up the I "Love You" virus attachment. If you remember that, and yeah, it went you. out, it went out to sixty-five thousand people around the world. 
that was it was an insane uh, situation so the, the simplest things yeah he had to get legal involved and all that kind of stuff so and i imagine those things still exist but they're also getting more and more like like tricky and more advanced on the, the human side so you got to really handle both make sure the software the coding and and the, and the systems are all set up but also make sure you're educating the people and keeping it top of mind as, as uh being diligent in the process too yes the one of the other things too is you know, part of our due diligence, we'll ask the teams, you know, has there been a breach that they know about, right? And, you know, how forthcoming are they being about that, right? Because that, that speaks, to, uh, speaks to a lot of things, you know, the, in terms of the, the cybersecurity plan and how they're addressing that. So, I mean, there's, those are just a few things of probably three or 400 that we're looking at in, in, that, in that specific area around enterprise risk. You know, with all the different endeavors that you've done in terms of post-merger integration, IT staffing, and cybersecurity, and building the company up to where it is today, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced uh, as the leader of Internet? Some of the biggest challenges out there really surround um, competition, and it comes in a form that most people don't really, you know, think about. In in the context of M and A. One of the biggest competitors is this idea that we internally, we can take on all the work ourselves. And you may be already working 60, 70 hours a week. And all of a sudden now the organization says, we're going to start acquiring. And, you know, the idea is do more with less. Right. And so one of the largest challenges that I've had to face as a leader is just this, this, uh, putting out the information that we're a strategic partner to you. You know, we're not trying to replace, we're not trying to, come in and, and change a lot of things, but to just to position us as a, as a strategic ally, you know, along the journey. And that's as a leader trying to get the information out there to, to enable organizations has been one of the, the biggest challenges as a leader. Um, the other big thing, and this, this is no secret, is, you know, we're probably negative unemployment for, for IT qualified 18 players. And so we are always continually recruiting for people to, you know, help and all different areas of what uh, what we what we offer in the MA services world. So as a leader, I'm always, you know, not only communicating with prospective and existing clients, but evangelizing and and you know hunting for 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 talent because we always need you know high qualified people uh, to deliver our services. That's that's the key piece. I mean, you can you can market and sell something, but if you're not able to deliver that service effectively and and you know to the customer satisfaction, you know things can go bad. And so. You know, that's that's probably one of the the, the two big challenges that and, and talent. So the negative unemployment rate for technology. Can you talk more about what that is? It, it sounds like like negative inflation in some countries as well. <laughs> yes, what we're talking about here is the idea of if you have a skilled tech IT practitioner, whether they be a senior a consultant, senior cyber, or you know somewhere in between they're in very, very high demand. And then when you add that additional uh, layer of someone being a very, very good communicator and having the right pedigree to be customer client facing, and they're really good at relationships, that's just this trifecta of, of goodness. And so, you know, people like that, they're just not very readily available. And so when I say negative unemployment for IT, it's just, it's really hard to find good people coupled with the idea that we all know that, um, you know, in today's environment where a lot of people are working, you know, virtually, IT jobs, technology jobs at all levels are very portable, meaning 
you don't necessarily need to live in the in the city where you're you're, you're employed, and so you can get, you can get a job anywhere, you can work for any company, and so the the real question becomes, you know, why why should I work with this organization? And and if this is what we're this is what we're talking about. Well, that ties into the employer value proposition and, and marketing your your company to different uh, prospective employees out there as well. So it's so relevant. What do you see are some of the bigger challenges that leaders are not only facing today, but may face over the next five, 10 years? It comes back to attracting, uh, you know, the right talent to deliver whatever it is that you're offering in the market product or service. You have a new generation of, 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 of workforce that, that's coming in who cares about different things. They care about more than just, you know, more than just salary. They want to live in an environment where, um, you know, there's ample opportunity for, for, for growth. There's uh, things that they can do socially. There are people who are interested in starting and, and growing families. They want to work for an organization that's making a good social impact. So there's what's happening inside the 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 company, and then what's happening outside. There's a lot of identity wrapped around that, and so you know, all of us leaders you know, need to be cognizant of that and designing out you know our our companies such that we can empower that that next generation of workforce to you know have have solid careers, but then also make a good social impact out there, and and you know so it becomes a win win for everyone. I know that your dad, Arnie Robinson, was a legend in the sports world. He uh, took home the gold in the 1976 Montreal Olympics, jumping, I believe, 27 uh, feet, four inches and four and three quarter inches on the long jump. Is that, do I have that right? That is correct. Yes. Okay. What, what are some of the lessons that, that you learned from him uh, along the way and how they've impacted you? Oh, I'll, I'll... I'll share a story with you. Um, uh, when I asked my father, you know, how, how did you actually win the gold medal? And I think I was around 29, 30. I got to that age where as a child, I actually began to, to listen to, you know, sort of the, the important lessons that my parents were, were talking about. And I asked my father uh, one day, how did you win the gold medal? And he simply said to me, I, I was an average athlete until I began training with world-class athletes. And when I did that, I had to rise to that next level. They pushed me harder. I had to work harder. Uh, and then I became world-class. And so the, the important lesson there for me uh, was, you know, to surround myself with people who are, you know, performing at that world-class level in business, right? Because they, the expectations are higher, they push you, right? And, and you become a better, you know, athlete, or business business leader, whatever it is that you're trying to do, as, as a result of that. So, you know, I've heard it said the law of averages: you're the average of the the closest five people you spend the most time with. And this is a key lesson that I got from my father. You know, uh, surround yourself with with high performing people. Fantastic. That sounds like a really uh, important and impactful conversation. You know, obviously, at, at key conversations, we feel the conversations are the key. In addition to that, are there any other conversations you can think of either from your dad or someone else that's had a profound impact on you either personally or professionally? One, one of the other words of wisdom and pieces of advice I got is from another mentor of mine. His name is David Finkel. He owns uh, Maui Mastermind. It's an organization that coaches uh, business owners on in how to implement the right systems and, and controls to scale their organization. And he, he told a story uh, in terms of 
trying to position yourself in the marketplace. And he used the metaphor of a, a large stadium in, a, in the parking lot. And so if you can imagine driving into the stadium parking lot and you're seeing all these cars, you know, thousands and thousands of cars, and you're driving, trying to find your, your parking space, right? Quite often what we do in business, a lot of business owners and where they make the a mistake is they will try to drive into the parking space of a car where a car is already sitting there, all right? You know, the world doesn't need, uh, you know, another, you know, toothbrush, right? What's what's the differentiation? What's the specialization that's going to be there? And so what he described is, as you're driving down, you know, the different uh, areas in the parking lot, you need to find an empty spot, right? And so the, the lesson that I took away from that is, you know, there's 100,000 IT companies out there, but there are only a few in the world that do IT M&A as, as, as a niche. And there's only a smaller group that, you know, can actually perform that very, very well. And that's our parking space. I love that. Excellent. Great words of wisdom. Thank you so much for sharing. And Paul, thank you so much for being here on Key Conversations. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you and find out more about Ensonet's offerings? It's a pleasure to be here. I, I, I sincerely appreciate the invite. And if anybody wants to reach me, they can email me directly, uh, probinson at insunet.com. That's P-R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N at insunet, E-N-S-U-N-E-T.com. Excellent. And I'll post all the social media links in the show notes as well. Again, Paul, thanks so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And to all you listening and watching, thanks so much for being here. Until next time, develop yourself, empower others, and lead by example. Thanks for listening to Key Conversations for Leaders with your host, John Ryan. If you enjoyed the show, please let us know. Give us a rating or write a review. And if you'd like to connect with me and other like-minded leaders, I invite you to join our Facebook group called Develop, Empower, and Lead, where I deliver free live training every week. If you go to developempowerlead.com, it will redirect you right there. Hope to see you there soon.